Welcome to the Harland Highway, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, we are in September, and we're rocking it out here on the Harland Highway. I'm your host, Harland Williams. What a show we have today. We've got all kinds of, uh, all kinds of um, phone calls today from uh, the Pavement Pounders. We're going to be playing some phone messages uh, and answering some, some of their questions and uh, your questions and whatnot. Also, uh, a little story. I'm going to take a little moment at the beginning of the show to gloat a little bit. I had a personal triumph that I'm going to talk about just briefly. I'm going I'm to brag a little bit. I deserve it. Uh, and then a crazy news story. This is a horrifying, crazy news story where a woman was swallowed alive by a critter. And it's just it's such a creepy story. But in response to the story, we had a wildlife specialist phone in, and this guy is a, a botanist, and he's a uh, naturalist, and he's a, a, a park ranger, and he's actually an expert in the field about uh, wildlife attacks and, and things that can actually swallow you whole. So that's towards the end of the show. It's going to be wild, I guarantee. Put your helmets on. This is... Ladies and gentlemen, the Harland Highway! I have an announcement to make. You are about to go down the Harland Highway. Lock the door. I don't want to be a product of my environment. Shut up! I want my environment to be a product of me. You are riding down the Harland Highway. So... Who'd I have to fuck to get off this phone? I can get you off. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. Ah! You're a cantaloupe. All right, hold tight on the Highway I'm ashamed, Big Daddy. That's why I'm a drunk. When I'm drunk, I can stand myself. Keep leaning on that tutor, Charlie, and you're gonna get a shot in the mouth. Act like a man! What's the matter with you? I wasn't really sure what was going on. You're listening to Harlan Williams. The rest is bullshit, and you know it. Okay, so, uh, this will be a short little segment, but a little bit of bragging. A little, little insight into my personal life. Okay, I got a little braggadocious moment, if you'll indulge me. It won't take long, but uh, I don't know, about four or five years ago, maybe five years ago, I was at my gym, just doing my thing, doing my curls and my reps and my rips and my wraps and, you know, working out. And a buddy of mine who goes to the same gym uh, said, hey, man, you want to come and play racquetball? And I'm like, what? What? He goes, yeah, there's racquetball courts in the gym. And I was like, oh, is that what those things are? He goes, yeah. He goes, I got an extra racket. Come on in and play racquetball. And I'm, I'm up for new things. I'd never played racquetball in my whole life. I'd never even touched it. And I said, okay, you know, I like tennis. I like badminton. I like, you know, I like sports. Let's do it, bro. So I went in, and he kind of told me the rules, and we started playing, and of course, I wasn't very good at it, but from the minute I played, I was like, ooh, I like this game. 
I like racquetball. It's, it's a lot of running around, and it's a lot of cardio, and it's kind of fun. It's like, you ever see a cat chase a laser beam on a wall? Well, racquetball, basically you're in a rectangle room with like a 20-foot ceiling, and I'd say it's about, I don't know, 15 feet, 20 feet wide maybe, and... Um, and, and you've got a bouncy rubber ball and two rackets that look like sawed off tennis rackets about half the length of a tennis racket. And you just whack this ball all around the room and smack it off the walls. And this thing bounces this way and that way and high and low. And it takes all kinds of hand eye coordination and agility and stopping and starting and sprinting and strategy and aiming and it's just it's just a really cool game and it burns a lot of calories and it, it works like you're out your legs and your shoulders and it's you're you're moving everywhere right and remember this is coming from a guy who plays a lot of tennis and hockey so this game is just as as up there and so I tried it and I got hooked I got hooked and I started playing all the time and all of a sudden I found out at the gym uh, there was a league. There was a racquetball league. And anyone who goes to the gym can join the racquetball league. And the, the guy who runs it every uh, Thursday night, he, he puts a schedule together and he puts you up against the other local players from all walks of life and all areas of the city. And uh, basically, you play all these people, and he keeps track of all the scores. And then at the end of the racquetball season, which I think it's an eight-week season, he takes the top eight players, and they have a playoff. And then they play each other until the winners are just playing each other until finally it whittles down to the two final winners. And uh, and so of course when I started playing racquetball I I didn't even I didn't even enter the the league but then I got in the league and then I slowly started getting a little better and then I noticed I was starting to beat people and and so I worked my way up 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 in the league and I made it to the playoffs and played a few times and never won and then just last week guess who won the racquetball tournament. The racquetball playoffs. Guess who won the league? I did. So I'm a little, it made me happy. You know, and, and I think what made me happy, it's one of those things in life where you, and if I can inspire any of you listening, it's one of those things where I didn't know anything about anything. It fell in my lap. Some guy just randomly asked me if I wanted to play racquetball. I just had the courage to say yes or the curiosity to say yes, or whatever you want to call it. And cut to five years later, uh, a sport I had never even uh, touched, um, suddenly I win the, the local uh, racquetball league. So there you go. I, I was very proud of that. I was very happy. I was very excited. And uh, it, just, it just goes to show you when, you when you get out there and you try new things, and you just jump in and you go for it and you find something you like, you know, good things can happen. And, and even if I didn't win, my goodness, the fun and the reward and the, the health benefits I've had from playing racquetball have just been amazing. 
And what's interesting, too, in this league, I even made a few new friends because the same people come back, you know, to the league. And so I even made a few new acquaintances at the league. So how about that? Huh? So I told you I'd keep it short. I just wanted to boast a little bit, mostly because it, it made me happy. It was an accomplishment. And I thought maybe it's a story that might inspire some of you guys, too. If there's something in your life that you've never tried or someone asks you to do something you've never tried, instead of shying away from it, give it a shot. You might do it once. You might do it twice. You might win the league championship. That's all I'm saying. Life. So there you go. Uh, A little boasting. I hope you don't mind. And now we'll move on to the regular show, if you can call this show a regular. Oh, my God. Hey, Harland, how you doing? This is Cartoonist Jack again. Um, I had a fun question for you that maybe um, if you have some time on your podcast, you'll have uh, a little bit of a chance to answer. I was wondering, what was the thing that you hated the most about school? For me, and I'm sure for a lot of people, it's homework. Definitely homework. I mean, you think about it, you're already going on the bus with a bunch of people you hate, going into a classroom, learning a bunch of stuff you have no interest in learning, and you're going to forget by the time you're 30. And you do all that, and you don't even get paid for it. You come home, your dad's home, and he's watching TV, and he just got paid. What do you have to do? you got to go upstairs and do homework. I mean, it ain't easy being a kid, right? But that's my least favorite thing. So I'm asking you, and I'm asking the rest of the uh, pavement pounders and everybody else, uh, what is the thing you hated the most about school? All right, have a good one, Harlan. I hope to see one of your shows soon. Bye-bye. Cartoonist Jack. Oh, yeah. That's a very good question. That's almost a Harlan Highway question of the day, but since I didn't come up with it, I'll just let it be a question by Jack, the Cartoonist Jack. It won't be an official Harlan Highway question of the day, but it's right at the, the, the lip. It's right at the border. Um, it's a great question, Jack, and I know all of us will have different answers. I have a couple. One of the hardest things that I didn't like about school was trying to figure out people. You know, I went into school and I don't know, I guess I was a bit of a sensitive guy. I don't know, maybe, I don't know, just I'm very in tune with people and their actions and their facial expressions and their everything. You know, I I pick up a lot from people and... I think what I wasn't prepared for when I went into school, like high school, was kind of the pecking order. You know, the the idea that there were cliques and there were groups and there was the the football guys and and the the stoner guys and the cool guys and the nerdy guys and the the smart girls and the slutty girls and the, the, you know, it, it, it just... It, I guess I just wasn't really prepared for the different little cliques, the little groups that, that humans naturally form. It's like Lord of the Flies. If you've ever read Lord of the Flies, it's like different tribes seem to emerge in school. And I just don't know that I ever felt comfortable in any of them. I always felt like an outsider looking in. I always felt like an outsider trying to understand why there were groups and cliques and things like that. So that was a bit, uh, it wasn't so much the the academic stuff. Uh, 
you know, because I just kind of understood that that's what it was. It was a a brick mortar and brick building where you're supposed to go in and sit down and learn. So that wasn't really that much of a surprise to me. So I didn't I didn't I didn't hate it. I found it monotonous, but I guess I didn't hate it. But I think what I I also didn't like about school was the fact that it created this impending sense of doom, at least when I went to school. Remember, I went to high school in the 70s and the 80s, okay? Actually, I think it was mostly the 70s. And, uh, And so back then, there was this expectation of young kids, especially when you grew up in the suburbs of Toronto, Canada, where everything's pretty white bread, you know, everything's pretty pretty normal and kind of down the middle. Uh, you know, I lived in mall country, and, and there was ec- this expectation, I felt, that you go into school and you kind of prepare for being a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, a biologist, you know, something very mainstream. And, uh, and so I... I always had this kind of foreboding sense of doom over my head because no one ever sat me down and said, you know, Harland, you know, you don't have to be a teacher, a doctor, a lawyer, a plumber. You could be an artist. You could be a dancer. You could be an actor. You could be a singer. You could be a photographer. You, you could make movies. You, you know, the, you never got the sense of that, even though they had a theater arts class in my schools. You, I always had this sense of doom that if I didn't get out of school and become like something really traditional, I was doomed to poverty and homelessness and failure. And so that really, uh, that really like kind of weighed on me and made made it hard. And uh, one of the saving graces is I remember I was in a uh, sociology class, I believe. And I remember one day the teacher, this was probably around grade 10 or grade 11 maybe I was in, where all this stuff was like weighing down on me. And I remember the teacher reading a story from one of our psychology books and talking about social norms. It's the first time I'd ever heard the word the norm. And it, first of all, I thought it was dumb because it, it would sound like a guy's name, the norm. But I'd never heard that term before, the social norm. You're expected to con- con- conform to the social norms. And if you don't conform to social norms, you're an outcast, you're an outsider. And that was the first time I went, oh, wait a minute. Is he talking to me? And then I'll never forget, he, go, he, he read a story up at the front of the class. And he goes, here's an example. There was a man, and every day he used to go out on a chair. He'd take a chair up on his roof at his apartment building or at his house, I forget, and he'd sit up on the chair, and he'd sit out on his lunch break and just watch the clouds float by or watch the sunset, and people would stand and stare at him, and it was way outside of the social norm. And I heard that guy's story, and I went like, finally, someone I can relate to. (laughs) <laughs> Can you believe it? Like, that was the thing that, that caught me, and I've always remembered it. Like, the idea of a guy sitting out on his roof alone 
and being introspective or just watching clouds or whatever the hell he was doing, that resonated with me. And I and in my head, I was like, well, that doesn't sound weird to me. That sounds kind of nice. That sounds kind of fun. Because you know what I used to do at my house when I was a kid? I took the screen out of my window and I used to crawl out of my window and I'd spend hours sitting on the very tip of our roof at, our, at my house in the suburbs. I would go up there in the day. I would go up there at night with my Walkman on and listen to Pink Floyd. I'd sit on the top of the roof for hours. And then I hear this story about this guy, and and it stayed with me my whole life. And I in my head, I was like, that guy isn't abnormal. That guy's not outside of the norm. That guy's, that guy's creative. That guy thinks differently. Good for him. I want to see that guy on the roof. I don't want to see all the people standing in the in the bus and the streetcar and the subway. Show me the guy sitting on the roof and and fill my mind with imagination. So that resonated with me. So the things I didn't like was the the sense that we had to conform and be something. I think it's a lot different now. I think I think with the internet and and creativity and you know just I th- I think kids I hope kids get the sense they can, they can be a lot more than the traditional things that I thought we had to be. But there was times when I really fretted and I thought, oh my God, I'm, I'm destined to be a loser and a life of doom and gloom and a failure and I'm not going to be able to, to meet everyone's expectations and I, I don't want to be a doctor or a lawyer. I actually did want to be a marine biologist. That was my kind of my first choice when I got out of high school and then I ended up going into animation because that's where the drawing cartoons was. So I, I did finally find a thing where you could draw cartoons. But anyways, when you're a high school kid, it's scary. It's intimidating. So I didn't like that. I didn't like the little cliques of people. And I also didn't like that I was really nervous around the girls and I couldn't figure out girls and I was scared to ask them out even though I wanted to. I mean, I got around to it. I got around to asking out the girls and all that, but it was it was scary for me. I was I was intimidated. I wasn't like, you know, a handsome jock. I was like a scraggly, skinny little guy with shaggy hair and you know. So it was awkward. But I wouldn't trade any of those times for the world, man. I mean, I look back at them very fondly. I mean, I confusion and 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 uncertainty and insecurity and all that stuff that you have when you're when you're an adolescent, the angst, they call it. Um, and yes, I think not doing the, the homework is a given. I mean, of course, I didn't like doing homework, but I think that one's too easy. That one's too obvious. And so maybe I'll turn the question around on you, Cartoonist Jack, because I think Cartoonist Jack, just by his name, is an artist. So maybe Cartoonist Jack can relate to some of the stuff I say. I bet, I bet Cartoonist Jack can relate to the guy up on the roof. So I'm going to turn the question back on Cartoonist Jack and say, Cartoonist Jack, outside of the typical homework answer, which is obvious, what was something that was more not so obvious that you didn't like in school? Maybe that's more interesting. Maybe if you notice, all my answers dealt with with uh, like psychology, human psychology, and and it wasn't a- even about the school or the atmosphere or the or the academia. Academia. It was about people. 
clearly if I just realized in my answer I was more more uh, you know mixed up and confused about people. So I'm gonna throw it back on you, buddy. What did you hate most about school that wasn't so typical? All right, uh, let me know, buds, and uh, thank you for the call. Great question, and if any of you guys out there, the Pavement Pounders, want to respond to cartoonist Jack question about what did you hate about school the most, uh, you can phone in and leave a um, an answer. 323-739-4330, 323-739-4330. Awesome. Let, let's do one more call. Yeah, Harland, uh, I have kind of a grievance here. I was just listening to your show, and uh, you played a a song uh, about a dead skunk in the middle of the road. And at first I enjoyed it. You know, I thought, man, you know, this reminds me of back home in Kansas, you know, where we would see that kind of thing frequently. And I was kind of enjoying the song, and I went on about my day. And and all of a sudden... uh, you know, that chorus just starts going through my head over and over and over. And, man, it's, it's just started driving me insane, man. I just I just, I just don't know what to do with this. Um, um, you know, uh, I, I keep hearing dad's gunk, dad's gunk in the middle of the road. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I feel like my brain is exploding. My, my, my ears are bleeding. And I feel like I'm part of some thick experiment, you know, where they're trying to, like, see how long you can take this, man, because I can't take it anymore, man. It's the dead skunk syndrome or something. I don't know, man, but you've got to help me with this. you got to play something to kind of, like, clear my mental palate or something like that, man, because this is this is really driving me insane. I, I, I can't sleep at night. I can't eat. I can't talk to my family. It's all dead skunk, dead skunk, dead skunk. And you just got to help me, man. You did this to me. You've got to fix it. Fix it, man. Please. I beg of you. <clears throat> Skunk chow mein, man. Whoa, whoa, bro. I hear you. I hear you. You're hurting, bro. You're hurting because you, you've got in your head, there's a dead skunk in the middle of the road. And, you know, I, I got you, bro. You need you need something. You need to be deprogrammed. Okay. You need to be like scrubbed down and deprogrammed. You you need an intervention here, bro. And there's only one thing that will get the dead skunk in the middle of the road verse out of your head. And you got to be careful what you ask for, bro, because as much as you were running around singing, there's a dead skunk in the middle of the road, the thing I'm going to use to erase that may be worse you may be running around. In fact, I know you're going to be running around now singing this. But you asked me, bro. You asked me to stop, put an end to the pain, put a bullet through the dead skunk in the middle of the road, even though it's already dead. So here it is. Here's your deprogramming. And uh, welcome to the new tune stuck in your head, bro. Can you feel it, bro? Can you feel it getting in your head, bro? Here it comes. I think it's getting in there. Oh, yeah. I used to be a lunatic 
Oh yeah, that's a little Annie Lennox, bro. No more I love yous. But don't say that I don't love you because you asked to be deprogrammed and I went right to it with the one stupid annoying verse that you will never get out of your head and you will be singing you're gonna be screaming it soon man okay but I did it I did what you asked me to do okay so you can't be mad at me bro um you know and there could there could be worse things in the world I mean you could be you could be uh, you could be dead in the middle of the road like a skunk right you don't want to be a dead animal in the middle of the road I mean what if a, what if a, what if an animal called in and, and had a complaint about the dead skunk in the middle of the road? I think we're, I think we're good with all the phone calls. I think that that one was kind of the capper. Yeah, let's 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 move on from the phone calls from the pavement pounders and get to something uh, something else on the show. Okay, let's do that. Let let's move on, shall we? <laughs> The Harland Highway. Crazy news story. That's weird. Wow. That's strange stuff. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's talk about something crazy that's in the news. This is everyone's nightmare, okay? This is this this is terrifying. This is horrible. This makes my knees quiver. Here's the headline. Are you ready? Crazy news story. Indonesian woman dies after being swallowed whole by a python. Good night, Nelly Furtado. I mean, are you kidding me? Is there any slower death? You know, than being swallowed by a python? Outside of maybe being in a coma for five years? Like, getting swallowed alive by a snake can't be a fast process. 
It's just not, you know, it's just not fast. So here's the story. An Indonesian mother has died after being swallowed whole by a 23-foot-long python. 23 feet. Most of us, our houses aren't as wide as 23 feet. The woman went missing while tending to her vegetable garden near the village, according to the village chief. When her family went to look for her, they found only her belongings in the garden, including her sandals, a machete, and a flashlight. Okay, I'm not Nancy Drew, but these are clues, people. Flashlight says, maybe, she was gardening in the middle of the night. Never good, especially in a tropical country with alligators and snakes and tigers and lions. And You, you can't till the crops in the morning when the sun's up so you can see the predators lurking in the darkness. So there goes the flashlight. The a machete. Okay. How do you not take down a snake with a machete? I mean, you, you got the snake on you. I told you they move slow. Although a python, they're constrictors probably. So it probably, probably coiled her, probably struck, got it in her. You know, the initial thing is a strike. They get you with the mouth. So she was probably in shock and she, she was uh, surprised by the attack. So at that point, she could have dropped the machete, or maybe the machete wasn't nearby. And what happens is once these snakes, like, latch onto you, they know that there's going to be a struggle. So with something being 23 feet long, you got to imagine it was probably as thick as a tree stump. So I'm guessing almost instantly it knocked the woman off her feet. And once she was down, it it constricted around her body rather quickly because those snakes, once they start to coil, they can move, man. And what they do is they constrict around your throat and around your rib cage and your torso. And they're very clever predators. Every time you exhale, they tighten a little more. And if you don't think these snakes are strong, I mean... You're talking about a 23-foot-long piece of pure muscle. Like, take take the biggest bodybuilder's bicep when he's flexing, and how about 23 feet of flexing bicep? That's how powerful these things are. Don't be, don't be deceived because it's a snake and it crawls on the ground. These things are immensely powerful, and at 23 feet long, look out. Okay, so what they do is obviously we have to breathe and the snakes are very sensitive. They can feel vibration on their bellies. They're 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 not they don't have great eyesight. Much of what a snake does is through feel and smell. Their tongue flickers in the air and has receptors on it and they can smell the air. And then their bellies are so sensitive. This is how they can feel prey through vibrations in the ground. So. Clearly, they can feel probably the breathing and the heartbeat of their prey. And so every time, you know, let's face it, when you're in an agitated state as a victim, you're panicking, your blood pressure goes up, your your breathing accelerates. 
And so you're like, <gasps> so every time you breathe out, the snake feels it and <laughs> tighten. <sighs> so every time you breathe out, that gives the snake a chance to squeeze in and hold it. So then he's constricting your air passages and he's constricting your lungs. So now it becomes almost impossible to breathe in and you've exhaled everything in you. And it doesn't take long until you're just completely suffocated. It's a horrible way to die. And when I said earlier it's the slowest way to die, the slow part is when you're swallowed alive whole. That's the, that's the, that's the bad part. Uh, let's continue here. Uh, the village launched a search for her, but were horrified to find the python with a severely bloated belly just 50 yards from the garden. See, that's, that's where it's maddening. The snake was in a garden full of food. It couldn't have had a beet or some asparagus or a cabbage. It's like, you know, I'm just, I'm just not a first course guy. I'm just not a salad guy. I, I know it's there. I know it's, I even know it's healthy, but I'm a meat guy, you know, I just like meat. I've never been into salads, so I went straight for the meat. Uh, they say the villagers killed the snake, and when they cut open its belly, they found the woman's body still intact, wearing all her clothes. Oh, God, except for her sandals, of course. The snake was like, no way, I don't do Birkenstocks, okay? I'll eat a nightie, I'll eat some PJs, I'll eat some spandex, a dance skin, yoga pants, whatever, an 18-hour bra, but I do not do Birkenstock sandals. Are you kidding? You know what happens when you get a flip-flop in your esophagus or in your belly? That's right, just like it says, it flips and it flops. It's like you'll be gassy all night long. I don't need acid reflex, people. The police chief said residents were suspicious the snake swallowed the victim, so they killed it, then carried it out of the garden. Yeah, I, I think it could be a little suspicious when, you know, it's no secret when snakes swallow things, you can kind of see the shape of the things they ate. I mean, were they all standing around and being like, Oh, is it just me or does uh, Shindara, that snake look like the shape of Shindara? I don't know. It's a, that's a funny, you know how sometimes you get a potato chip that looks like Jesus Christ or something? Is it just me or does that 29-foot boa constrictor look like Shara's inside? It's just a funny bump. Maybe it's a, a muffin top. I don't know, but it's... Um, that's pretty creepy. So the, the, the snake's belly was cut open. They found the victim inside. And a local villager said everyone cried and was in shock. That poor woman, it looked like a horror movie. The people are terif terrified and afraid to go outside. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, again, I got to ask the question, was it nighttime? Was she gardening in the dark? Why a flashlight? And if you're going to walk around with a machete, uh, point to note here, use the damn thing. Oh, my goodness, a giant 23-foot snake. If only I had a machete in my hand to kill it. 
Oh, wait, I do. Too late. I forgot and didn't realize in time. Now I'm being swallowed. Help. And plus, you know, like I said, until the snake, like, strikes, that, they move with lightning speed. The strike is like, whoosh, like, they, they, they go. But the lead up to the strike is very slow. Like, these pythons are not like cobras or, uh, or pit vipers or black adders. They, they don't scamper through the bush at a high speed. The, the pythons and the uh, anacondas and whatnot, they kind of like kind of, they're, they're like kind of on cruise control. They kind of meander through the underbrush. So you kind of have a chance to get away. They move like lava. They're kind of slow. There's other poisonous snakes that can damn well chase you down the trail, man. But uh, listen, as much as I kind of making light of this, my prayers and thoughts go to to this uh, poor woman. What a way to go and then get swallowed up inside. And you know, snakes must have a, a, a hell of a lot of uh, acidity to their to their their saliva and their bodily fluids. I mean, you know, they don't chew their food, right? They just swallow it whole. So that means they they have a lot of powerful. Uh, digestive enzymes in their system. So if she was at any point still sort of alive inside of this thing, it'd be like trying to get out of a, a snakeskin suitcase. Let me out. Let me out. I'm still alive. I want my Birkenstocks. Help me. Get someone hand me my machete. I'll cut my way out. And then that's, you know, the, the only good thing about, you know, the way she, she died in her clothes, I guess they could just bury her. In her, in her clothes, uh, she was, you know, this is what she was wearing. Let's just put her to rest. Well, the other thing is, you know, it, you know how expensive funerals are, right? They say the average funeral is like $6,000. In Indonesia, it's a more impoverished country. You know, you could almost be like, you know, has anyone seen uh, Shahira? Uh, no, no, uh, she's sliding by behind them, right? No, I'm no, no, I haven't, uh, I haven't seen. Uh, you know, everyone's just kind of looking around. Meanwhile, they all see the snake just kind of sliding away in the background. Ah, I, I guess we don't have to pay for that uh, funeral. Gee, where could she be? Slither, slither, slither. I, I wish we knew where she was. Isn't that snake got the shape of Shakira? No, no, I don't think so. I think it's just a fat snake with a muffin top. I really let it go. You know, I mean, a snake could be the all-in-one, like, funeral death. Like, okay, you got eaten. You're all packaged up and sealed nicely in a nice snakeskin outfit. Off you go. Slither away into the woods. You're done. So R.I.P. to Indonesian woman who died with a python. And, 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 you know, you think of that story and you go, oh, poor thing. That's what you get when you live in a... Well, don't be deceived, gang. You know, I don't know if you live in Florida or not, but there's uh, an invasive species of Burmese python that has invaded the uh, Everglades of Florida. And these giant snakes are getting bigger and bigger. I mean, these things are starting to eat alligators, okay? So don't be deceived. If you're wandering around in Florida somewhere, you could get taken out by one of these things. It's the, the chances, the odds are astronomical, but this type of story isn't that far from home if you live in the United States. In time, 
and this invasive species of Burmese python is, is relatively new to Florida, but they've become a big problem, and they're getting bigger and bigger, and they're more and more of the population is growing, and it's just a matter of time till this story I just read won't be in Indonesia any longer. It'll be like an American kid with, uh, you know, Crocs and uh, Nike shorts and a Tommy Bahama shirt and uh, who knows what else. It'll be a very American swallowing is what I'm trying to say. So there you go, your Harland Highway. Ooh. Ooh. Crazy news story. You're a groovy boy. I'd like to strap you on sometime. Wait, what? We, we have a, a, a wildlife expert from where? Really? Pa- from Pakistan? Yeah, I think they have, they have uh, large snakes over in Pakistan and India. and Yeah. Oh, cool. So this guy was listening in via, what, the internet? And he wants to chime in? Great, man. What's this guy's name? Okay. Igabal Hasnu? Am I saying it right? Igabal Hasnu. Okay. Let's put him on, man. I want to talk to him about snakes and wildlife. And uh, I guess this guy's... uh, Well, let's ask him what he does. And uh, is he he there now, Raj? Great. Let's put him through. Uh, Go ahead. Uh, Igabal Hasnu, you're on the Harlan Highway. Hello, sir. How are you today? Hello, Igabal, is that you, sir? Am I saying it right? Igabal Hasnu? Igabal Hasnu, that is correct, sir. Thank you very much. I've been listening to your show. And a very uh, interesting, very tragic story about the woman in Indonesia. Yeah, man, it is It is tough to read those stories. I mean, you know, you kind of want to have fun with them a bit, but at the end of the day, someone died. And this is very common uh, in the in the Middle East. In South America, in the, in the jungle of Africa, in the, all over the place, anywhere tropical, you're going to have uh, large uh, pythons and constrictors that uh, have the capability to uh, consume and uh, swallow anything, a large mammal. Oh, yeah, 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 but yeah I, I get it. They, they, they eat like a baby zebra or a baby gazelle, but you just don't think about them eating a human. Well, uh, you know, sometimes uh, they, they're attracted to uh, the human flesh the same way they are to be attracted to uh, the flesh of, uh, let's say, a baby, uh, you know, the springbok gazelle. Oh, I know, I know, and uh, and one of the things, Mister William, that uh, they help uh, not good is the uh, human being. They they were sent. Uh, they were. Uh, I know. Uh, just last year, a woman on the safari in the jungle. Uh, she swallowed by J-Lo. Did she? What? She was what, sir? Swallowed by J-Lo. She was swallowed by J-Lo. What does that mean? Jello, American Idol, Jello, the the uh, powder blue, the the the, the, the Latino, uh, the Latino singer. Uh, Jello, yes, yes, the actress, the singer, the celebrity. Yes, Mister Williams, swallowed alive by the Jello. Well, what do you mean? She, she Jello was swallowed alive? No, Mr. William, the snake, they have receptacles. They have a very sensitive receptors in their, in their snout, in their tongue. They can pick things up from 20 miles away. 
Okay, and you said... There was a woman, American tourist. She was on the safari, and all of a sudden she must have washed, sprayed Jello's fragrance on her neck, on her shoulders, to be sexy for her husband, or what have you. Oh, oh, oh okay, so Jello's uh, perfume. Yes, Mr. Williams, and the snake... To snake a very tantalizing aroma, very tantalizing scent, and of course, a woman stopped to take rest on the safari trail or pick berries, or in one instance, we had a woman who was wearing uh, the scent of uh, this girl, uh, Christina Aguilera. That Christina Aguilera? Yes. Uh, no, wait. Uh, no, wait, I mix it up, Mr. Williams. It is, uh, oh, the little Latino girl who uh, look like her hairline starts halfway back on her head. Uh, her hairline starts halfway back on her head, sir? Yeah, uh, what, Ariana Grande. Oh, my goodness, such a beautiful girl, Ariana Grande. Okay, yes, she has a, she has a scent. Yes, and apparently uh, another American tourist was uh, squatting down behind the bushes in South America on the Amazon. And uh, from what I was told, uh, she had a brown trout hanging halfway out of her uh, crunch hole. And uh, I guess uh, she had some sprayed some Ariana Grande all over herself and the... Large uh, anaconda pick up the scent and uh, swallowed the hell in the middle of how you say in America, uh, taking a giant dump. Wait, what? Uh, uh, hold on. An American tourist was in the Amazon. This is what I'm saying. And and hold on, that they, they, they were, they had sprayed themselves with Ariana Grande's. Perfume, signature perfume. Correct, Ariana Grande. Yeah, yes, sir. We've got Ariana Grande. They stopped. Nature called, which happens when you're out in the wilderness. Oh yes, many a time have I dropped a giant tadpole off by the swamp, if you know what I mean. Well, okay, sir. So, anyways, the the American tourist stopped to drop off the kids and in the middle of in the middle of the giant brown log coming out of her crunch hole the <laughs> oh my goodness a giant uh, anaconda grabbed her left butt cheek oh my god because he smelled Ariana Grande all over her and swallowed her whole sir so what, she was in the middle of going to the bathroom. Well, I didn't say that. I said dropping a giant, giant brown hunk of hunk of burning love. Okay, sir. She was going number two, and the snake got scent of her of her Ariana Grande perfume, and boom. Exactly, Mr. Williams. And the one before that, I tell you, J-Lo... Woman in the in the forest, jello. She smelled like jello, and all of a sudden, a bing bang, thank you, mang. And then we have another one. Uh, you know, Sunny and Cher. Sunny and Cher, yes. Well, Cher, you know, Cher. Can you believe in life after love? Baby, I know you. Yes, yes, we know Cher, sir. 
Yes, well, Cher have perfume. And here we go, uh, another American tourist in the uh, jungle, in uh, the, uh, the, the rainforest of, of northern Australia, Mr. Williams. And she's wearing the share, and apparently she was singing in the jungle. Okay, she was singing. Do you believe in life after love? Bing, bong, bing, bong. Okay. Well, you don't have to get uh, animated with me, Mr. Williams. I'm just telling you what happened. Okay, well, you don't have to keep singing share. Well, Mr. Williams, if I'm going to, t- 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 you know, tell the story accurately, I must, you know, give you the details. Okay, well, okay. So, there she was in the forest. She's wearing shares of perfume. And do you believe in life after love? Bing, bong, bing, bong. Okay. And, of course, the giant uh, green python snapped and got rid on her face and swallowed her whole. And people swear by the Holy Bible, even though I'm Hindu, Mr. Williams, by the Holy Bible, people swear they could still hear her inside the snake. Oh, my God. She was So she was swallowed whole. The snake smelt the share cologne on her. That is correct. And they could hear, oh, my God, they could hear her inside screaming for her life. Well, I, what I was told is they could hear her inside screaming. Sir! I'm just telling you they heard that singing from inside the green python. Okay, we get it. Now, now there's also, there's also Justin the Bieber, you know, the Biebs. The what? The Biebs, Mr. Williams. Justin Bieber. The Biebs, as we call him here in East India. Okay, the Biebs. He have wonderful cologne. Sometimes I even wear it myself. You know, I'm not immune to sexuality, Mr. Williams. Okay, yes. So, I was. it wasn't happened to me, but when I was out with one of my associates, you know, I am a certified ranger and naturalist. Yes, that's what Roger said. Well, as you know, Mr. Williams, a man can pretty much urinate wherever he likes to go. Okay, yes. So my partner, him a job. Him a job, yes. Well, he stopped to take a urination over by the lily pads. Okay, I think I know where this is going. Now, here's what's funny. I always tell him... Put cologne on after you get changed, dressed out of the shower. Isn't that what you do, Mr. Williams? Well, I'm not a big cologne guy, but usually once I've shaved and I've, I've got my clothes on, if I'm going to splash some cologne on, I will. Exactly. And Finder Job, he likes to put the, the, the Biebs cologne on when he's completely naked after the shower. Okay, what does that have to do with anything? Well, as fate would have it on this fateful day, he told me that he had the, what you call in America, the butterfingers. Yeah, butterfingers. And he dropped the beebs, uh, uh, you know, the cologne, and it splashed all over his uh, Monty Python and his Holy Grail type of thing. 
Wait, he he dropped his his Justin Bieber cologne onto his private parts. Correct, Mr. Williams. And of course, you know, here we are out in the field. We're doing research. We are doing studying mammals and amphibians and reptiles. And, uh, you know, Ginger Bar goes to take a nature's calling, as you say in America. He pulls out his Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and he starts doing the Yellow Sally in the Babanza weeds, and snap, crackle, pop, as you say in America, a giant boa constrictor snapped onto his Monty Python and the Holy... Will you stop saying Monty Python and the Holy Grail, sir? That is a... It is a British comedy troupe, and it's a, a movie by the Monty Python comedy troupe. Well, once again, you raise your voice to me, but I'm just a messenger, Mr. Williams. Okay, I'm sorry, Igabal, but so your 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 partner is taking a he's doing some he's doing a tinkle in the jungle. Earlier that day, he had spilled some Justin Bieber. The Biebs. The Biebs. The Biebs cologne on his private parts. His Monty Python. The Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And he's taken a leak and the, 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 the one of the snakes smelt it. A boa constrictor, Mr. Williams. Very big, very long, very, very powerful. Almost like a Monty Python and the Holy Grail with eyes. And let me guess, it snapped at his... It snapped at his thing faster than Shirley MacLaine and Rosie O'Donnell sucking shrimp cocktails at the all-you-can-eat uh, shrimp house place. The shrimp house place, sir. Well, I don't know the, the American name. Well, every three seconds you keep saying, as they say in America, do you not know any American... What am I, uh, Houdini, please? Okay, well, let me give you one. Red Lobster. Okay, there. You, are you happy now? We had the Biebs, the Red Lobster, okay? Okay, well, it's your story. So, I'm just telling you, Mr. Williams, and what happened is these snakes, you don't think that they can, they can eat something so large? But what they can do is they dislocate their jaw and their jaw actually come away from their skull, the upper part, the casing of their skull, and they can open... <laughs> Excuse me, Mr. Williams, I just swallowed a fly. Well, are you out in the field right now? Yes, I'm on the trail and on my cell phone. Okay, so snakes can dislocate their jaw. Yes, and very few... Mammals or animals or reptiles in the in the animal kingdom can do it. Well, as far as I know, it's just snakes, right? Well, not true. One time I was giving a lecture in Cincinnati, Ohio, in the United States. Okay. And I had to pull over to what you call in America the Shell Station, Mr. Williams. Okay. And I go in, and of course I see hole in the wall in the bathroom stall. It's a glory hole, okay? Okay, yes, glory hole. And I put my snake into the glory hole, and whatever was on the other side dislocated their jaw and put swallowed the whole thing. All right, sir. 
Do you have anything else to say? I think this is getting way, way off. Do you have anything else? I do have one more thing, Mr. Williams. I have a question for you. A question? Okay, and then I got to wrap it up. What is your question? Here it is, Mr. Williams. Okay, what is it? Hello, what is your question? I'm getting ready for it, Mr. Williams. Hang on. Sir, I don't have time. What is your question? Here it is, Mr. Williams. I had to clear my throat because of why. What is your question, sir? Here it is. Do you believe in life after love? Bing, bong, bing, bong. Stop it! Up yours. I hope you get swallowed by a fat person at Jenny Craig's whorehouse, you pig. Fuck you. What in the name of God? <laughs> he hopes he gets swallowed by a, a whore at Jenny Craig's what? What is... He was at a Shell Station glory hole, Roger? What was that all about? Good Lord. People getting swallowed because they're wearing co- celebrity colognes. What a joke. Let's end the show. This is just ridiculous. Good Lord. Let's just go to something real. You know what? Let me, let me make some announcements. I want to let you guys know that this week, I'll be in a place where the Beebs was born in Canada. Yeah, I'm going up to Calgary, Alberta. And me and my good buddy Tom Green are doing a dual headliner show at the Blackfoot Inn in Calgary, Alberta at the Laugh Stop. Um, It's going to be a great show. It's their big anniversary show, so they brought me and Tom, and it's rare you get two headliners on the same bill. So get your tickets. It's September 13th, 14th, 15th this weekend, Okay. And uh, it's going to be a blast. We're going to have a good time. It's probably going to sell out. So don't get upset. Get on the phone today. Go to my website, harlandwilliams.com. Click on the comedy link and order your tickets ASAP because I don't think they're going to be around. Might be sold out already, but don't let that stop you from trying. And who knows? They might even add another show. I don't know. I don't know. But I think this one's going to be a biggie. And me and Tom have so much fun together. So check that out this uh, weekend, September 13, 14, 15, Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And uh, it's going to be a blast. Also, uh, later in October, a month later, October 18, 19, and 20th, I will be in Spokane, Washington, doing the Spokane Comedy Club. Tickets available at my website, harlowilliam.com. And then November 1, 2, and 3, I will be in Tacoma, Washington, doing the club up there at the Tacoma Comedy Club. Can you believe it? And then mid-November, I'll be back at one of my favorite clubs, the Irvine Comedy Club in Orange County, California. That's November 15, 16th, and 17th. And 18th, maybe, too, even. Holy jumping. So those are uh, some good gigs. Check out my uh, my website, harlowilliams.com, and you can uh, book your tickets right online there. 
Also, we are at harlowwilliams.com. Don't forget you can call me and leave a voicemail, 323-739-4330. We had some great voicemails tonight. Who knows? Maybe yours could be next. Don't be shy. Leave me a message, anything you want. Someone even meowed like a cat. Um... Also, uh, don't forget uh, you can uh, leave me a email if you want at uh, the website harlanwilliams.com. Just click on the uh, contact link, and I do read them all. So let's see what you have to say: the good, the bad, the ugly. I don't mind. Uh, also, don't forget to become a premium member. That's twenty dollars a year. You can become a premium member and get every single episode I've ever done, plus bonus material from time to time. I don't have time for a lot of it, but from time to time, I put bonus material up just for premium members. Uh, also, you can get our free uh, our free app in the App Store. Just type in the Harland Highway podcast in your App Store, and boom, you get it for free. You get the latest 50 episodes absolutely free. It's a great deal, man can listen to the show wherever you travel on the plane on your walking your dog peeing in the jungle wearing uh justin bieber cologne yeesh um also i'm gonna have an announcement very very soon about season two i know a lot of people have been uh, writing me about season two of, uh, of uh, Puppy Dog Pals, my Disney animated show. The second season is, is coming very soon. I'll be able to give you the, uh, the launch date. I can't do it yet, but it's coming up soon. Also, if you want to join uh, the Puppy Dog Pals Twitter page, it's called uh, Puppy Pals Bob, at Puppy Pals Bob on Twitter. And if you join that, you get all the latest Puppy Pal pu- Puppy Pals uh, news. I run the page, and I kind of pretend that I'm Bob. So you know, if you send pictures of your kids, or uh, you know, pictures of yourself, or pictures of your dog, or anything you want to share about Puppy Dog Pals, I read all of those and I answer as Bob. So it's kind of fun. Um, and what else, man? Don't forget, uh, if you want to have some laughs and see my new comedy special, you can get that on Amazon Prime. It's called Caramel Corn the Pug, Kick Him in the Kibble. You can rent or buy my new stand-up special. It's on Amazon Prime. And uh, it's only, I think, $3 to rent and like 8 or $9 to buy. So hopefully you'll uh, jump on that and, and get some laughs from my stand-up comedy special where I'm dressed like a dog. It's kind of weird and funny and cool, I think. Um, And I think that's it, man. I think that's all the announcements I have right now. Don't forget to tell your friends about the Harland Highway. Get them on board. And uh, thank you for being here. Hope you had a good time. Watch out for snakes. And until next time, chicken. Show me, baby. Do you believe in life after love?